Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. We're coming to you on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, let's just let's just fill the show up because we got three hours till the U.S. Grand Prix. So let's just go. Let's just go for three hours. Why not? Right, guys? I, right? I have so much to say. So much to say. Jenny looks like you've scared her into silence. I've watched so many three-hour movies the last couple <laughs> days. I'm not sure I can do a three-hour podcast. The other voice you heard uh, was Megan down in Cincinnati. How are you, Megan? I'm good. How are you guys? Looking forward to talking for three hours? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, no, it shouldn't take three hours. Uh, we don't have nearly as much news to get into. Although we do have, like, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, before we get into any of that, uh, let us begin with how we begin every week. Uh, with something that we like to call around these parts. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Okay. And today we are opening one Stella Artois. <laughs> one single to share. One single. I think, I think Jenny might be having a sober Sunday. <laughs> ow. Ow. Sober Sunday equals uh, Stella fighting against you. Yeah, that's the. I haven't opened a beer in a really long time. That hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I decided that you should do that, but I. I don't think I should have been the one. I, I don't either. But you took the. You I took did the opener from me. I did. I don't know why. All right, Megan, save the segment. Oh, okay. Well, uh, okay. I don't have a sound for my alcoholic drink. I have this bottle box. I always said bottle. I don't know why. Red Volution. I've had it before on the Red Volution pay-per-view but since that doesn't make a sound i did bring um and also since it's like fairly early in the day a, a spindrift grapefruit Ooh, uh, how is the spindrift i thoroughly enjoy it thank you cm punk for the recommendation i think it's delicious uh, very fruit i mean it is fruity because that's all that's in it but like i feel like it comes through a lot more than the than the artificial sweetening of or flavors of some of the other ones so here i'll give you a crack sound instead of a wine sound Ooh, wow that was a good one pretty good no pops this week no pops yeah i got my flu shot my booster <laughs> and i i just decided to have a sober weekend <laughs> that'll happen but there's a bottle of chilled champagne in the fridge that does keep calling to me yeah so midway through this show you're going to disappear and come back with champagne. That's what you're <laughs> saying. I'm fighting the urge. So um, it was not a big news week for um, only wrestling specifically. Uh, like I, I would, I, I guess I'd say the biggest news is uh, the big ratings battle that when they went head to head. And now last week, last, last Sunday when we talked, the, the, the final numbers hadn't come out yet. Um, early numbers had leaked, but uh, the demos had not leaked, which we thought was probably indicative that it didn't go great for WWE because they they're leak. the ones who were, who were leaking these numbers. And I did get some clarification on this. So, like, because you, you asked Jenny, like, do, does everybody have access to these numbers? And I, m my understanding was not correct. Um, it's it's not that WWE has relationships with Nielsen. It's that like anybody can pay Nielsen a subscription, but it's prohibitively expensive for like a private citizen or mm -hmm. a small operation. Mm -hmm. So most most outlets don't pay for it because it's very expensive. But WWE, obviously, it's it's in their interest to know what their numbers well, of are. Of course, you know they've got blood money to spend. 
Yes. So, so like because like AEW doesn't uh, pay for that. It doesn't. No. Oh. Yeah. I think that's TK flexing though, because he clearly has the money to to pay for that if he wants. Right. So anyway, but yeah. So technically, it's available, but it's very expensive. Okay. So. So anyway, let me find these numbers. Um, I'm sorry, I should have had this queued up. Do you think Nielsen is mad that that their paying customers are leaking this info? Or do you think they're like HBO, where it's just like, share your password, who cares? I would guess the former. <clears throat> I wonder if you could get in trouble for that, like terms of service-wise. I don't know. Okay, so this is from uh, Wrestling Inc., a, a, a fine website of news aggregation. Um, they are saying they reported uh, Fridays. So this is last Fridays, not this two days ago, but Friday's WWE supersized SmackDown on Fox Sports One drew 866,000 viewers with a 0.24 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, so they did 314,000 viewers in 18 to 49. Friday's Rampage drew 578,000 viewers with also a 0.24 rating in the 18 to 49. They drew 313,000 viewers in 1849. So they technically lost in 1849 by 1,000 viewers. However, in the head-to-head 30-minute overlap that WWE called on, you know, they brought it upon themselves, uh, AEW did win those 30 minutes. So <laughs> they won with their normal show that they were just going to do with CM Punk. In that 30 minutes, they had CM Punk versus Matt Seidel and the Bunny versus Ruby Soho. And they beat a Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks match and a big angle with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know... I think maybe WWE just should have been fine not tacking on the extra half hour, but whatever. Yeah. Why Why try to awaken? I don't know. It kind of brought it on themselves with, with losing there. They made Tony Khan summon those heart-shaped glasses and start making decisions. <laughs> and I think that if you just would have let sleeping dogs lie... You could have leaked more stats about how great your show is. <laughs> so there's a sports media guy who, um, named Darren Rovell, who who doesn't ever tweet about wrestling or write anything about wrestling because he's not that's not his business. He's in other I don't I don't know what sports he's in, but he's in other sports. Um, he tweeted out, um, "WWE got a big victory last night over AEW, even after SmackDown got moved to SS1 because of the MLB playoffs." SmackDown, 793,000 viewers. Rampage, 549,000 viewers. So Tony Khan, when the numbers were more clear, responded to that tweet, uh, probably wearing his glasses, and wrote, here's a story nobody leaked to you over the weekend, but I'll give you right now, dog. Uh, AEW got a big victory over WWE after WWE aggressively extended their Friday show 30 minutes and loaded it up head-to-head 10 to 10, 30 with Rampage. With AEW winning 328,000 to 285,000. This reporter guy does not know what shit he's stepped in. And then someone like 
kind of like, you know, there, there are receipts for everything on the internet. And there was a tweet from last year where Darren, this Darren Ravel guy, uh, congratulated his uh, former longtime agent Nick Khan on his new role in the in a WWE uh, as a president. <laughs> oh my God! The internet will get you. Yep, 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 yep. But uh, yeah, so ultimately, big win for big win for AEW. Um, I think it's going to prevent WWE from trying something like this again. Uh, which they will, which they've already kind of tipped their hand on that because SmackDown is going to be on FS1 again this coming Friday, mm. and uh, they are just running an episode of Talking Smack from ten to eleven instead of, uh, you know, extending SmackDown. Oh, they they brought that show back. Yeah. Hey, the former uh, co-host of that show will probably wrestle in the same time slot. Maybe, yeah. So. Anyway, so that's the, that was the, that was the rating story. We don't know the numbers from from this past weekend yet. Uh, it looks like it looks like it's funny because now now there are people like making reports like, oh my god, look at SmackDown destroyed Rampage. And it's like, yeah, SmackDown's on Fox, motherfucker. Because <laughs> like, like it's not the same thing as last week. Yeah, but, you know, people are people are dumb. Okay, other news before we get into the show recaps. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything before the big thing that we need to talk about. And no, there's not. Okay, so the the one thing is we just want to uh, give well wishes to Jim Ross, who uh, was diagnosed with skin cancer on his leg. And uh, he says, uh, waiting on radiologist study to determine best treatment, likely radiation, feeling great and ready to attack. So he was, of course, he, he did call Dynamite last night, and he seems okay. Um, he's got a, it looks Aww. like it's on his... Uh, on his left leg uh or did, did they catch it or like is it early stage or he didn't, they, he didn't no indicate. details okay. yeah he didn't indicate but um but yeah so you know uh certainly don't certainly hope everything goes okay yeah. for jim there we definitely wish him well okay guys let's have a big talk about about something that is only tangentially related to all the wrestling but it's the big story of the weekend and I asked Jenny this morning, like, should we talk about this? And she said, yes, this is the, this is the story. Um, uh, this is uh, Pro Wrestling Insider reported uh, that Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair had a heated exchange backstage at SmackDown on Friday night. Um, Flair had voiced her concerns earlier in the day about the championship exchange segment and not wanting her or the title reign to look weak. So for those who don't know, they had just had a draft and Charlotte and Becky were the champions of their respective brands, but they were drafted to opposite brands. So they did this thing where like, they just like traded belts. And I think everybody thinks it's stupid, but, uh, (laughs) but that's what happens when you name your belts after the shows and, you know, so they can't really flip back and forth. Um, During the in-ring segment, Flair went to hand the title to Lynch, but pulled it away. As Lynch tried to grab it from Flair, the belt landed on the mat. Um, Alex McCarthy of TalkSport added a few details, uh, including Flair attempting a cat-and-mouse game with the belt and a timing error leading to the belt falling. Sonya Deville, who, uh, for you guys who don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, acts as a a storyline general manager on uh, the SmackDown program, uh, told Flair to pick it up, which she did and handed it to DeVille. Lynch responded by throwing her title at Flair rather than handing it to DeVille, and that title also landed on the mat with Flair picking up as well. 
The rest of the segment saw Sasha Banks interrupting the two and Lynch making her exit before physicality between Banks and Flair ended the show. On WWE's YouTube channel, the segment doesn't include the title swap or the belts falling on the mat and begins with Banks's interruption. Um, PW Torch uh, further reported, uh, one wrestler said, Becky is seen as a hero for standing up to Charlotte, who over the course of this year has alienated her colleagues backstage with attitude issues. She's been increasingly difficult to work with, one wrestler tells PW Torch. Um, Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer website reported, uh, Charlotte was in fact escorted out of the building by security last night. Um, uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful uh, reported Becky Lynch was supposed to grab Charlotte's title last night. Charlotte went against that in the segment. Backstage, Charlotte was told to leave the arena. Um, more uh, details from PW Insider. Uh, as we noted last night, Charlotte Flair had been arguing against being made to look weak in the segment. And among those we've spoken with, she was seen as the person responsible for the segment not going scripted. At no point was Flair to pull away the Raw Women's Championship belt from Becky Lynch. We are told that was not rehearsed or even suggested to the talents. When Flair pulled the title away, the belief among those backstage we have spoken with is that it was done to make Lynch look stupid by being one-upped and having to pick up the belt. Sonya Deville instead made Flair get the belt and hand it to Deville, leading to Lynch throwing the SmackDown women's title belt at Flair, which we are told was, was originally scripted to happen. Um, the backstage argument after the segment took place right in the gorilla position right on the other side of the curtain after the confrontation, we are told Flair was last to leave the venue to avoid any further issues. There is heat on Flair in certain circles for disrespecting Lynch, and some who felt Flair took a segment that was supposed to build herself versus Sasha Banks, and instead putting all the attention back on herself and Lynch when Banks was being placed in a position to be the top babyface for the SmackDown brand. There are some who felt this undermined Banks, whether this was a planned strategy or not. There is no heat on Lynch, as it was seen as she was pushed to a boiling point, leading to her confronting Flair. Had it gotten physical, it may have been seen different, but after it was seen within the locker room, Lynch standing her ground and protecting herself after being pushed too far. Whoa. So I thought Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair were best friends. They were. So what happened? When did it all when go sour? There, I mean, there was that tweet where um, Charlotte, said, like as a promo line, I think it was a promo line, said that, you know, Becky has been, you know, she's like an absentee wrestler. She hadn't been around much lately. And then Becky responded on Twitter with a meme of showing um, herself with her butt. This is after, uh, uh, Ni- uh, not Nyla Rose, um, Nia Jax uh, smashed Becky's face with a, you know, with that horrible punch back in uh, November of 2018. And uh, so there was a picture of Becky with her her nose all busted and said, and underneath it said, I missed two weeks for this. And then there was a zoomed in picture of Charlotte's chest uh, that said, you missed uh, like six weeks for this or for like, or for something. I can't remember. Yeah. And that, that is that what something I, I forget who it was who said it, but like that was kind of said to have been a, uh, a point in the relationship where there was a, uh, a, a, uh, icing over well i yeah i mean i guess if that was i wouldn't have been happy if i was charlotte with that i guess no that was quite a shitty response both in the fact that that meme exists because like i don't like the misogynistic tone of it um but also like i do fully believe that charlotte has maybe decided 
to or not decided, but has maybe gotten a bigger head about her because she yeah. she does seem like she's very important in the the roster as a whole. And I feel like probably people prop her up in a way that maybe encourages that. And, you know, it's it's just not a good look on anybody. Yeah, that's I, I've never warmed to Charlotte. Um, I, Obviously, she's very talented. But she's just always given off this, like, I'm better than you type vibe. And I, I don't know. And WWE's always treated her with a different, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, like, kudos to Becky for, uh, if the reporting is correct, when Charlotte pulled that shit out on live television, her just sticking to script. And if the throwing was scripted, you know, it made sense the response, both shoot and kayfabe. But, like, mm-hmm. if she stuck to what she was supposed to do and waited to have her moment of uh, blowing up backstage where nobody in the audience could see or hear it. Good for her. I I don't know that I would have been that calm. I feel like um, I would have been mad. And I think it's also just at at its core really silly to take the attitude of like, this is going to make me look weak. It's like, it's not about you. It's a show. It's an overall show. You are in the show. As much as it sucks with working with WWE, they have writers for a reason. And you're supposed to, as part of your job follow what they tell you to do and the fact that she took it upon herself to improvise like that is uh arguably unprofessional yeah so So, oh sorry you told me one other thing that happened that relates it to AEW. oh yes andrade uh like friday night and soon after it happened and some people thought he was maybe responding to um reacting to like his the quality of his own match on rampage uh but i think most people have kind of looked at the timeline and figured out it's related to what happened um he just tweeted f u w w e so i mean and of course his you know his his fiance would be been on the phone with him almost like right away after that happened i'm sure i'm sure <clears throat> yeah um there is a little more <laughs> still uh, the drama so Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch, um, he did some audio on the situation on his website, and I've got like a bit of a transcript of what he said. Um, so from here on, I'm, I'm just quoting Wade Keller. Uh, from what I'm told from people behind the scenes is that none of the women want to work with her. Like, not in the ring, in a match, not on the mic, and I've sort of been not getting into going into a ton of details on it. In some situations, there's been some sex speculation that... I didn't want to get into it in terms of what's going on and what's causing it, but it became newsworthy last night. Um, he confirmed the details that were reported about what happened, and he said he spoke to people who did not have an agenda. Uh, he said, I specifically reached out to people in seeking out Charlotte's side of this, because it does, from people I've been talking to, it just feels so one-sided. And these are people I trust, and I talk to them about other things. This isn't like I'm talking to people who are anti-Charlotte. It's just sort of people in WWE I talk to, some wrestlers and others, who are just reliable and the stuff they tell me seems agenda-free, and it's played out as standing the test of time. I don't hear anyone defending Charlotte in this. Somebody in so many words said Becky is a hero to the locker room for calling out Charlotte and not letting her get away with what she does. One wrestler I talked to said just said that the way, and I'm paraphrasing here to lighten up the language a bit, because this wrestler that was not thrilled with Charlotte just said, 
The way Charlotte's acting is going to cause issues both with colleagues and with management. He really stressed how respected and well-liked Becky is universally in the locker room and that she was seen as a bit of a hero for it. Basically, the idea was Charlotte was being difficult and Becky wasn't going to take it anymore. She wasn't going to have it anymore, and that's what led to the confrontation. Another wrestler at the show put it even more forcefully than that in terms of Charlotte. Um, Charlotte has a reputation for flat out being difficult and constantly concerned that she's not getting the respect that someone of her stature and accomplishment, or at least her character stature and her character's accomplishment deserves. Maybe there's a blending of the two right now that has some people wondering about her. She feels that she should be treated at a different level and that other stars who were on top had to work really hard to protect themselves. Steve Austin certainly had that reputation for going, I'm not going to do this. This isn't making me look good. I'm too important. But Charlotte doesn't quite have the clout, but she also isn't conducting herself well. Sounds like it's pretty universal that people look at her as not looking out for anyone but herself in a way that goes beyond normal looking out for yourself in this business and that she doesn't want to sell for anyone. It goes to how she's ha handled when she's asked, been asked to do jobs. Um, it goes to the Nia Jax situation, how that match turned into a debacle because Charlotte got so upset over what was planned for that match, both the content and the finish. That's been an ongoing thing with her and Becky, and oh, with her, and Becky is very aware of all that, and she certainly has the clout to do it. Charlotte, from what I heard, was swearing up and down that dropping the belt the way she did was an accident. Her contention is, and I'm connecting some dots here, Charlotte's contention is the tug of war she wasn't supposed to win so quickly, and when she flung the belt backward, she didn't know where to drop it and couldn't just move it forward in front of Becky, then so it ended up dropping to one side behind of her. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Charlotte has really isolated herself from the rest of the locker room. There's not a lot of friendliness, friendly interaction. She's kind of in her own world now, and she's just not endearing herself to the locker room in any way. It's not like that makes um, them side against her, but that's a symptom of people are wondering what's going on with her, and she's just in her own head and overreacting to things and over-scrutinizing things and questioning everything and worried that she's not being given the the protection in the spotlight. Um, the last thing is that Charlotte feels she can get away with it because there's just not enough depth on the roster to punish her right now. They've got networks that want ratings and they did a draft and they evenly divided it. And if they were to punish Charlotte at this point, you're reducing a weak SmackDown roster even more. And they just don't think they can afford to do that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the, the one last thing she said, he says here, so this is a situation that they're going to have to manage. And it looks like what happened with Nia Jax wasn't the first thing and it wasn't the last thing that happened before this, but this situation needs to be addressed. And I know there's people who used to like Charlotte that don't even recognize her anymore. Ooh, that's a lot. I, I... Yeah. Sorry. There was so much there. I didn't you know. No, I mean, also, obviously we have no insight into what's going on with Charlotte as far as like mentally, emotionally, whatever, but from the, just that reporting, it's like, she just sounds like her ego has maybe run amok a bit. And I, I granted, I haven't watched WWE in a really long time, but her claiming that she's not protected just strikes me as so odd because she is like the top star. Isn't every time I've seen her since on in like the, the random shows I'll watch since not watching regularly, she's always positioned very highly and she, tends to have a title and continue to keep the title so i don't i don't really understand where she's coming from from that angle yeah absolutely i feel like even i, I feel like she's even gotten thrown into main event type title matches where it should just be one-on-one -on -one and they like throw charlotte in there so that like she gets yeah, the spotlight I mean, they did that 
with the when it was going to be Becky versus Ronda in the WrestleMania main event. Yeah, we threw Charlotte in there for no reason. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like she's got this like weird. I feel like they're always trying to like protect her and treat her like she can do no wrong and that she's their number one. Love yeah, and they have created a monster. Yeah, <laughs> and the comparison to Steve Austin, like I know he did that stuff, but I thought that in his recent years, since he's had time to sort of look back and reflect. I believe he's even said, like, that was unprofessional, like, walking out and refusing to do a job at the time I thought I was in the right. And just realistically, that's just not how how it works. Like, I, I feel like he's come around on his own actions and sort of decided they were not looking back. They were not the best moves. Um, right. But at the same time, also, like. You know, Steve Austin did turn down beyond beyond just like walking out when being asked a job to Brock Lesnar at the end of his career. He did have situations where he would like when he was on top, when he would turn down working programs with certain people because he didn't feel they would draw right. And he didn't. And, you know, he did. He did turn things down. But also he was making that company like more money than any wrestler has ever made a wrestling company. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, I think he has like had a bit more of a right to his to like determining how things went than Charlotte does. Oh, totally. And I, I think I'm coming at it cautiously because I also hate the, those situations where it's like a man did it. So it's okay. And when a woman does it, it's bad because in this case, I think the woman is overstepping. Like I do think it, it's not so much like, well, Steve Austin did it. How come she can't? Because like you said, different circumstances. And also I just like, I don't understand the business enough because clearly like to me it's only ego if what you're doing is saying no i won't do this because you're telling me to do this because they have a program you know like they have a structure you're Mm -hmm. in wwe you know that this is how it works and to just blatantly say like no i'm not gonna do that that just seems selfish to me like i don't know like you know the stakes going in and if you don't want to do something I'm not saying give up all creative control of your character, but t- there is a point where you just kind of have to do what you were hired to do. Maybe I'm coming at it too much from like a job perspective of like, if it's not like impeding on your health or well-being, like you just have to do what they tell you to do and do it well. I think of when Moxley left and his him talking about how Vince was making him do all kinds of crazy, stupid shit. And he was like, I hate it and I don't want to do it, but I'll go out there and do it and I'm just going to leave. Like, you know, like at some point you have to compromise and do the job you were hired for while also like seeking a way to to get out if that's not what you want anymore. You can't have it both ways. I quite frankly, as someone who doesn't watch WWE programming, um, except on very seldom occasions, uh, I'm a little bit worried about the potential for her getting out and then coming to AEW because oh no i don't want it <laughs> it sounds to me like that would be a terrible decision for just for like locker room harmony i think that would break the women's division yeah. at this point like that's not very you know like it it's not where it needs to be and bringing in someone like that would ruin it well do you think there would be a different level of reaction to it from like tony khan versus vince because charlotte is rick flair's daughter and I don't want to say that she got where she is because of that, but I feel like there are certain times when maybe she's treated with kid gloves more than other people would be because she's Ric Flair's daughter in mm-hmm. WWE. But I could see Tony Khan being like, 
I don't really care if you're messing up my system. You need to I go. don't know. Tony, Tony idolizes those those like well, 90s he does, but he he does, but he's also like seemingly more business minded in the sense that like he doesn't force things down people's throats like the fans. He's trying to give them what they want to to make the money. Like, do you think he would stand for her coming in and doing this uh, this pardon the pun diva act here? He also seems very hands off with the women's division. Like, I mean, think about that notebook. The only one that didn't you didn't know who was going to be against was Brit because he doesn't run that division. That's true. Well, I mean, he has final say over that division. His final say, but he doesn't seem to be that interested. They they have pitched it. Everyone who does interviews and everything like that, like I don't, I'm assuming they're all speaking from the heart and being truthful when they say it feels like a family, which is problematic in a business in many ways. But in this sense, it seems like that means that everybody gets along well and it's good because you know this is an industry where you do have to trust your opponent because you're being put in what are potentially very dangerous situations if they don't do what they're supposed to do. And so if Charlotte came in and destroyed that vibe for even just the women, don't you think that like Tony Khan or somebody else would say something and, you know, just to prevent it from bleeding over because then you've also got Andrade and God help us if they become a power couple and are a nightmare behind the (laughs) scenes. Like, at, at some point, somebody has to put their foot down and just say, like, no, this isn't how this works here. You can't do this. Well, yeah, but, like, think of, like, the aftermath of that. So, like, yeah, that's what they need to do. But how do you think she's going to react to that? And how do you think she's going to play when that happens? Which is obviously what would need to happen. I think Vince would be like, come back to the dark side. And she would go and then they'd cater to her every whim. I don't I don't either that or she'd be forced to go on the indies and God knows they will not deal with her in the way she wants to be dealt with. I don't, I don't know. Like maybe I'm just thinking from the standpoint of uh, I wish karma would step in and and everything would. Awesome kind Kong. Of, yes, I wish Awesome Kong would come in <laughs> and be like, fuck you. Your egomaniac, and then just power slam her through a table. Um, how many times did Lana get power slammed through a table by Nijax? Yeah, what is? Oh, it, it was what? like it was a lot of weeks in a row. I forget, <laughs> I forget it. I lost yeah. count of like I, I never saw any of it, but I I would hear about it every week. <laughs> yeah, like maybe that's that's the Charlotte hazing that she needs. Like you can come join our company, but you have to go through a table thirty times in a row. Just to kind of level set and get you back on the right path as far as where your expe- expectations are and what this is. Yeah, it just it just seems to me as talented as she is or isn't, like whatever the case may be, it's just it's like a it's not worth it. It's like a, it's a poison pill. Yeah, because she is very talented, but I, I'm sorry, Charlotte, you're not the only talented woman wrestler out there. Um, Maybe it's the Roman Reigns effect where she's been in this environment where the women's talent was not treated like anything until their kind of class of NXT ladies came through the ranks. But she's no longer the only person who's a talented female wrestler. Like, it's just it's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was I mean, that was like that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that doesn't happen that often. 
No, that's that's big. I just I just don't I don't think it'd be a good vibe with her at AEW. So I hope she doesn't come. Me neither. Yeah. Sounds like sounds like Becky's probably a lifer based on how everybody how much everybody loves her and everything. But uh, um, so I'd love to have Becky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, she, like we said with Seth a, a week or two ago, it's like she's kind of got her whole life set up there. She's doing well. People like her and respect her. She's got her baby daddy and fiance uh, right there with her. You know, it's why would she leave at this point? Yeah, yeah totally. All right, guys, let's talk about AEW Rampage for October 22nd, 2021. Jenny, you did not get a chance to watch the show. Megan, did you get a chance to watch the show? I didn't. I'm the worst. Sorry. Please lead us oh. through it, though. I will uh, comment on my uh, thoughts. All right. Well, let's just let's just really <laughs> speed through this one then. Um, because we did all watch Dynamite. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, from Miami. This is from the same building as Dynamite last week. And uh, we open with a AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament match, Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Orange Cassidy picks up the win with uh, his, uh, oh, what do they call his little roll-up move? And it has a special name. I can't remember it right Some now. Some sort of orange. No, it's like... <laughs> I don't know. Whatever he 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 won with a with a sneaky cradle because he was fighting such a big man. Yeah. Uh, most of the match was him uh, getting his ribs worked over by Powerhouse Hobbs, but he managed to uh, he managed to take care of it. We all we all picked Orange, right? I think I picked Hobbs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think okay. I picked Hobbs. Uh, Penta is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, um, but the Los Superanas are at ringside. Um, and, uh, he and Alex Abrahantis go out and pull the masks off them. Uh, but they are not FDR. They are just some guys and, uh, FDR jumps them from behind and, uh, and then, uh, Abrahantis gets a big black eye that he, uh, showcased on dynamite later. Legit black eye or makeup black eye? I think it was a makeup black eye. Okay. Um, Next up is for the AEW World Women's Championship, Dr. Britt Baker DMD versus Anna J. Um, I this has been reviewed better by other people than I will review it. I thought it wasn't a good match, but uh, but I, I appear to be in the minority on that as far as online. Um, but I thought it was real sloppy. A lot of people are saying it's Anna J's best match. I don't see it at all. Um, but uh, Britt does win with a lockjaw. And uh, Tay Conti came out to make the save from a post-match beatdown, which kind of would uh, kind of tell you what the next direction might be. Mm-hmm. Um, That's too bad that mm, I'm going to watch Rampage like after the fact, but it's too bad to hear that those two potentially had a sloppy match. Cause maybe, you'll like, both, maybe, you'll, maybe it was just me. Maybe you'll like it. Well, they're both talented, so I'm just, you know, but sometimes you just don't have the chemistry. So who yeah. knows? Um, next up, we got the brackets, and I guess they had to wait for this match because uh, Anna Jay is in the TBS Women's Championship Tournament, and presumably she wouldn't have been had she won the title here. Um, but this is our tournament. It is a 12-woman tournament where uh, four women get buys into the first round, and the way they determined this was they took the number two through five contenders, uh, two, three, four, and five, and gave them the buys. So that'd be Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Chris Statlander. The number one contender, Taikanchi, as we would find out on Dynamite, is getting a title shot at Britt Baker at the pay-per-view. So at least rankings-wise, it makes sense what they did. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that when you first said there were four buys. I didn't, I didn't realize either. they were the ranked until I, I I heard I read about more about that last night. Um, this is this is the brackets though. Uh, in the first round, we've got Anna J versus Jamie Hader. We've got the Bunny versus Red Velvet. We've got Serena Deeb uh, having her rematch with the Karushita. And we've got Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho. So, uh, yeah, and the winners of those four matches will respectively face Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Chris Statlander in the second round. So that is the TBS uh, Women's Championship Tournament. We don't know where the finals will take place. I guess I'm thinking maybe uh, full gear makes sense, but we'll see. I just don't understand (laughs) why it can't be a 16-person tournament and why four women had to be given buys like there are enough women on the roster even enough healthy women on the roster to to the best of our knowledge sure yeah or there's other opportunities to work with impact or nwa as they have in the past to bring over and showcase you know some some different women Mm -hmm. it just it feels like another disappointment for the women's division to to not get i don't know to have it to have when, it handled that when half of the first round matches are buys to let the people through it's it's kind of like what we really couldn't find a way around this there's really no way <laughs> okay counterpoint it's four more people in this tournament than in the men's tournament that's occurring right now and i would argue a uh on average, a higher level of star power. Yes, but then if you zoom further out to, like, the big picture contextually, this is one women's match, for, or one women's tournament compared to one men's tournament. And if you look historically at the men's tournaments, they are generally include more people, have good quality match. Like, it's not like they're always screwing up the men's tournaments. It's like this time around, they're just apparently doing it very small. Um, but the women's tournaments never seem to quite get there. And this is for a brand new title. So it should be more inclusive because every woman who's on that roster should get a shot at this brand new title, in my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's like, it's disappointing, but then this happens around the same time that the WWE women's tournament occurs. And that's just a whole nother level of travesty. So I don't, it's like it's like if this is the victory (laughs) it's so sad you know like i know that the matches in this tournament are likely to have at least one or two go over 20 minutes or near 20 minutes and most of them will probably be above five maybe five to ten at least whereas the wwe women's one was uh in total under 20 minutes for the entire round of the tournament so like yes this isn't the worst it's just it's just again along the trend of it doesn't seem like they're trying that hard with the women's tournament. And I know we talked about it off mic, but um, like Sky Blue, she was in the promos for people being like, I want that TBS title. And then they didn't include her in the tournament. And I know that Jade beat her right before the tournament, but they still just left her out. You could have just put her not in Jade's pathway in the tournament lines, you know? Like, I don't know. It just seems like you have... You probably can draw up four more people to to do this. Riho and Emi Sakura moved to the United States. Yeah, and they are never... not used. 
Never on the television. Uh, I don't know if they're on dark or elevation. I don't count that as, like, as I, I, that sounds mean. They are real shows, but I don't count them as storyline important shows. I just want to say I just did some quick research, and uh, I have to come back at you, Megan, because you made a very general statement, and it was found to be totally false, unfortunately. Uh-oh. Uh, receipts, internet receipts. Internet receipts. Wikipedia does not lie. They can't. It's impossible. It's not like it's user sourced or anything. Um, but of all the tournaments that have taken place in elite wrestling, there has never been a men's tournament that included more than eight competitors. And uh, of of all the tournaments, the two tournaments with the most people in them were both women's tournaments, including this twelve woman tournament that we're having right now. All right. I can see it. I can't argue Wikipedia unless I go in there. I change the, the statistics myself. If you want to do that, and you can come back next week and tell me I was wrong. That's fine. Hey, Wikipedia changed. <laughs> now they're saying they're on my side. <laughs> no, that's true. Fine. I, I concede. I still I still am upset about... I think the salt in the wound on this one is the fact that they included four buys. You know, that just that's just like, hey, look, four people get to advance in the first round of this tournament without any match or like fight or effort and and i believe you said andy that you thought that by matches made the competitors look weak because then if they win you you can look back and say well you know they had one round in and i don't know if that that general opinion applies to this specific tournament and the people who have the buy rounds but it's different you know like plus they're missing out on the chance to have like four good matches they could they could find people to have matches yeah, I mean, I'm Megan. I'm like, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I I also wish it was a 16 woman field rather than a 12, but I do I do I'm more okay with it now that I I understand how the rankings played into it because it does it does like it does actually use the rankings in a smart way where it says like, well, these people are top five people, so they get they get the advantage that you know. Someone, you know, someone who's not in the top, that ain't the bunny uh, shouldn't have that same advantage, you know? Yeah, that is, I will concede that too as well, that knowing that it's the ring people, okay, at least that logistically makes sense, so. And we all did, we all did make our full bracket predictions, and I believe we all three came up with Ruby Soho as the inaugural TNT Women's Champion, so. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see how it all plays out, but. Uh... Okay, uh. That takes us to the main event, Andrade El Idolo versus Pac. And I would say, especially since both of you didn't watch this match, this is the one I would recommend uh, for both of you. I think it's very much your style of match, and uh, you'd enjoy it very much. Um, Andrade uh, got caught with a small package for the pin, uh, so Pac even the score uh, with Andrade. They went 17 minutes. It was crazy. They did lots of insane things. There was a big angle after the fact where um, Malachi Black popped up and he was um, uh, going to attack Pack, but uh, Arn Anderson came out, made his little like gun motion, and this uh, triggered Cody into appearing and uh, cleaning house. And a nice little angle to set up the main event of Dynamite the following evening. Oh, yes. Suddenly it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 
So that was Rampage. A fine show. Best 45 minutes in wrestling. Pretty good, yeah. Although I tend to watch it live, so I always end up watching it for an hour. Yeah. Still feels like a nice, compact It's fine. Event. (laughs) All right, that takes us to... Dynamite. AEW Dynamite. Um, This was at the Addition Financial Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, This data from Russell Tix indicates that 6,002 tickets were distributed out of uh, a capacity 7,089 seats. So they did about, they they got about 85% of their tickets out there. So that's good, I guess. Yeah, the building seemed pretty full. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, We start with an AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament match, Brian Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes. Brian Danielson continues his tour of uh, never having less than a four-star match in AEW as uh, he beats Dustin Rhodes with a guillotine. And I also think he continues a streak of winning every match with a different move. Yeah, I think you're right. Which is cool. I think it's a cool thing. He's uh, he's a mean boy in AEW. You were saying that you were saying last night that um, he was he's very he's very he seems very different. He seems like more good than 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 Daniel Bryan did. Yeah, I think I said he seems cooler now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which reflects you know my value system. But he just seems like he's there to take care of business in a way that dorky Daniel Bryan. Never was, even though Daniel Bryan, very good. I think Brian Danielson, he's got a little edge to him, and I like it. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Jenny, thoughts on Brian Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes? I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I like uh, watching Daniel Bryan wrestle. Brian Danielson. We're gonna we're gonna break the habit. All three it will never get easy. <laughs> I always want to say Daniel Bryan too. <laughs> And I also enjoy watching Dustin. And I was just glad that Dustin didn't unzip his leotard any further. He did have it down to Quite his far. navel. Quite far. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny commented specifically while we were watching, I know it's hot there, but please keep it in. Keep it in. It is hot there. Do you want to? Um, I don't. Do I hurt. Actually, try? it hurt my hand. I'm bruised. You can see. Oh, we have a. We have another Stella waiting in the wings that Jenny isn't able to open. Yeah. Okay, uh, backstage we go, and it's uh, Kenny Omega and the Super Click, uh, comprised of, I guess it's just the Super Elite now, um, when it's the four of them. There's so many freaking iterations. Permutations. Yeah, yeah, permutations of that group. It's like Super Click, Super Elite. Oh, what's the one with the Good Brothers? I think that's also Super Elite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, they are, uh, talking shit about Hangman, say he's not actually a cowboy, um, saying he's, he's actually a coward, not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they also preview a little eight man tag they're going to have against the Dark Order coming up on, uh, the next episode of Dynamite, which is only three days away from now. Oh, wow. We're getting yeah. back on schedule. Getting back on schedule. Megan's going to get back to recapping. Hell yeah. Hope y'all missed the three-hour shows. Uh, we go to another backstage <laughs> well, segment. Wait, wait. I thought it was really interesting <clears throat> yes. that 
So Kenny said that he does coward shit. And then he gave credit to Adam Cole for coming up with that. That seemed very out of character for this current Kenny character. Did either of you guys think that that was odd that he was actually giving credit to Adam Cole? I didn't even catch that. I thought it, I caught it. And I would say that if Kenny were like a normal human being, that would be odd. But it's like, he's an egomaniac. But then within his little like super elite clique or whatever the hell they're calling it, he also, they like have this weird like, love and respect for each other as long as they're all doing evil so i feel like he would have never like given brandon cutler credit for it but adam he can extend that courtesy uh did do you remember did adam say like didn't adam say it was matt or like he didn't he deflect to somebody else no or he no, said oh he yeah credit? i did come up with that like okay. in a modest way in a modest way i like adam cole a lot adam cole rules um i also just guys the sneakers the sneakers in AEW, it's it's right up there with the cupping as far as, like, if you join the AEW cult, suddenly you have to love Jordans or whatever the hell Nikes they're buying. I just don't understand how T- TK hasn't licensed Air Force Ones yet. Like, how has that not happened? I mean, I think what's going to happen is he's not going to license it, but he is going to find a way to hire Nelly to come <laughs> sing it. Rap it? Whatever. Uh, and that would be, like, if you're going to blow money on something, TK, I am in for that one. Please do it. <laughs> uh, backstage, uh, again, FTR is celebrating their triple A tag team title win, but they say that uh, it won't be complete until they regain the AEW World Tag Team titles, which they lost a year ago at Full Gear. So oh. They also uh, quote Nick Diaz and talk about wolf tickets, and they're not buying any of these wolf tickets that the Lucha Bros are selling. Which you tried to explain to us, but Nick Diaz, is, his logic path is weird, and I still don't get it. I think wolf tickets sound cool, though. Whatever they are. Um. Yes, wolf ticket, according to Urban Dictionary, um, to speak aggressively to someone without intending to back it up with violence. Um, he's selling wolf tickets, meaning he's barking but not going to bite. Okay. Yeah, it's like it makes sense when you take the time to go look at Urban Dictionary and explain it, but it's not as quickly translated as some other shorthand phrases for things, you know? <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Sting. We got Sting with Tony, and uh, he's supposed to give us an update on Darby, but before he can answer Tony's question, MJF comes out, and uh, they have a long back and forth, including MJF uh, mocking Lex Luger for being in a wheelchair, which uh, Sting responds to by decking MJF. Um, and then... Uh, Pentacle comes out, which is, uh, in this case, it's Wardlow and Sean Spears, the chairman, and they uh, take out Sting, and uh, Darby is very mean to Sting, and eventually, after more mean things said... Darby's not mean to Sting. Oh, sorry, Darby is not mean to Sting at all. Sting's his goth dad. He's his goth emo daddy. (laughs) And uh, he uh, hits him in the face with the dynamite diamond ring. So, obviously just a, a big heat segment to uh, 
motivate further motivate Darby to return and get revenge on MJF. Florida was pissed at MJF. Like, if this were the olden days, he would have gotten shanked in the parking lot. Maybe, Maybe even just out in the ring. Could be. Uh, we go backstage again, as I realize, like, we've had... This is our fourth straight uh, non-wrestling segment on this show. Uh, Britt Baker uh, is told by Tony Schiavone that she is wrestling Ty Conchi at full gear. And Britt responds by talking about how all Ty Conchi has done in AEW is show people her ass. <clears throat> and I say, where's the harm? <laughs> you know, I think negative one at a degree. <laughs> If somebody wants to show you their ass, let them show you their ass. Unless you don't want it, consent is important. Consent is important. And, you know, that's mostly what she does on Instagram, too. And she's beloved on Instagram because <laughs> of it. Yeah. I say, if I had an ass like hers, I'd be showing mine all the time, too. Yeah, so she, she does the it. shimmy, too, right? Doesn't she? That's her move as she's coming out. She, like, shimmies. Yeah. 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 I like it. It's not always going to be there. Use it while you can. Oh my god, if I look like her, I would take so many naked pictures to save and be like, look at how cool I was in my youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> look, I- I'm unashamed, okay? It's fine. Next up, we have our first match in the TBS tournament. Penelope Ford versus Ruby 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 Soho, and uh, obviously, the three of us were pulling for Ruby because mm-hmm. we want our bracket to be correct. And our bracket is not busted because our eventual winner did advance out of this first round. And uh, I, I didn't think the match was much. I, I just, I don't know. I It felt a little, I think, I think Penelope Ford is a very good athlete, mm-hmm. but not like a great wrestler. I like watching her wrestle. Did you I like, like, did you like her match last night? It was Okay. <laughs> Okay. I like all of her gymnastic moves. I think it's fun. When she's given the opportunity to do spots like that, yes, she definitely shines. Um, I also thought that it was kind of, I mean, expected but unfair that the bunny appeared on the sidelines. And when Ruby got tossed out of the ring at one point, you know, she went for her. This is a tournament and you're in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be there. That's cheating. Mm-hmm. Where is the respect? She did. She did try to uh, cheat. She tried to throw the brass knuckles. She did. Well, she did throw the brass knuckles into the ring, but um, the referee caught her uh, her misdeed, and this allowed Ruby Soho to roll up uh, Penelope Ford and uh, bridge back and pin her. Yes. So, yeah. so Ruby Soho wins. Then uh, the uh, Penelope and the Bunny tried to do a beatdown. They need a tag team name. Yeah, it's. It's like, oh, they're, to- oh, they're together enough. Idea: the bad girl and the bunny, super bad bunny, and then bad bunny shows up and is like, oh. I know I was just in WWE doing shit, but like, you summoned me with the super sp- bad. Sp- bun- yeah, that's a good idea. Like, he could betray WWE. Um, but thankfully, uh, Red Velvet uh, makes the the run down to the ring and uh, makes the save. And of course, these are all people who are in the tournament or at least three of them still are. And uh, the bunny is actually going to wrestle red velvet in her first round match. So that'll be fun. And I believe Ruby is going to take on Chris Statlander in the second round. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, backstage again, a lot of that, this show um, Wardlow 
is upset about MJF's actions last week where he kind of pushed him into Sting's way. And I think he took a bat to the stomach as a, as a result. And MJF, you know, <clears throat> he, he apologizes without apologizing. And then he says that uh, it's too big a job taking care of Max for Wardlow alone. So he's assigned Sean Spears to be Wardlow's accountability buddy. And, uh, and then he go and he leaves. And then Sean Spears is just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Did, didn't he say like, yo, or like, yeah, he, he said something and it was just like, he looked like such a bimbo himbo. <laughs> he like, it's like, he didn't Ron, know that Ron this dog was, was, uh, yeah, he wasn't yeah, the, able to sell Wardlow on this. The Ron dog didn't know he was going to take this position until MJF just said it. And so he's, I feel like he's absorbing the news the same time Wardlow is, but he's like happier about it. Right. Um, next up we have Bobby fish, uh, who is getting way more TV time than I kind of imagined he would upon signing versus Anthony green and Megan. What did Anthony green look like to you? The young bucks without a budget. <laughs> the yes. young brokes, if you will. It was, it was, it was like if you bought a, uh, a young bucks, like costume from spirit of Halloween or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're almost there, but very clearly you're not. Yes. I mean, he would have done better just to steal something out of their bag backstage. I'm sure they have like 40 of those fringe things. Oh, my God. What if he showed up? They don't wear fringe anymore, though. So they might not have all that stuff with them. What if he showed up with everything he was wearing, but on his feet he had the Dior's? Oh, my God. That would be that would be that would be quite an angle. Shoot, for, like for, you know, BTE heads. Matt runs out and is like, "Get me the shoes back." That'd be amazing. Would love it. Be amazing. Uh, Anthony Green gets squashed very quickly by uh, by Bobby Fish, and mm. uh, Bobby wants to torture him a little more afterwards. But of all people, CM Punk runs out to make the save because those two are going to have a match on Dynamite based on this. Kind of yes. a lower level caliber opponent for CM Punk. Yeah, but it's fine for like a, just like a random dynamite. I had the same thought. Um, but in, the big CM Punk matches for pay-per-views. Yeah, oh. and in my mind, it's like Bobby Fish, they've, they've made a lot of effort to show how he does MMA, like in his promos and stuff. And CM Punk also, you know, did his little MMA stint. So maybe that's how they're connecting them. In my mind, that's how they're connected, like. Maybe they'll do a really technical match. Now we got three weeks before full gear. And it occurs to me that one of the things that was on Tony uh, Khan's five-star notebook paper was CM Punk versus Wardlow. And we don't appear to be any closer to setting that up. Mm-mm. Do you so, think that this is Tony Khan's like, revolt against people knowing what he planned. He's like, fine, you don't want Wardlow. We're going to go a different direction. Yeah, maybe, but also like, what is that direction then? Because again, we're three weeks out and there's nothing. No match for punk on the pay-per-view. I do not only think commentary for punk on the pay-per-view. I mean, Bobby fish doesn't have like any friends who can, it, when punk defeats him, come out and be like, Hey, don't do that. You know, like, Maybe Kyle O'Reilly's contract is up sooner than we thought. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> um, again, we go backstage, 
And we've got uh, Leo Rush and Dante Martin. And Dante wants Leo to stop talking trash about Matt Seidel. Um, They're friends. Because, yeah, because he's one of the best in the world, says Dante in a really convincing manner. And uh, Leo says, like, you're one of the best in the world. You know, you should believe in yourself. So I've set up a match for us against the Seidel brothers for Rampage. So it's LBO Leo and Dante making their tag team debut against the Seidel brothers. Um, Dante seems very conflicted about this. Maybe he'll only touch right. <clears throat> Maybe. Good Dante. for you. Good for you. <laughs> Using the terms. Uh, Dante no, seems knowing, sad. Knowing Mike Seidel's name. That's what I'm impressed by. Oh, okay. It's true. I felt about 85% confident <laughs> saying it. <laughs> Considering that, like, occasionally you'll look at Matt Seidel and say, who is that? I, I feel pretty good about you remembering Mike Seidel. Is that Mike Seidel? <clears throat> Which Seidel is this? Uh, next up, uh, AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Round 1 match. Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. And oh. it's hard to talk about this match beyond Lance Archer went for a moonsault and under-rotated, um, landing right on his head. Oh, it looked horrible. All I could think of is like compressed vertebrae and um, they, they, they got him out of the ring. The, they had the doctor come check on him. He rolled back in and immediately Eddie Kingston hit him with like a cradle and just got the, got the pen. Um, I assume I, I, like, I don't know if that was supposed to be like, I don't know who was supposed to win the match obviously, but um, Eddie Kingston did win. And, uh, the Murderhawk monster himself tweeted out a couple of things. Um, first, uh, he said, I'll live. Thank you, Lord. And then... Um, that was like night of, right? Like, that was almost right after. Yes. And then an hour later, he tweeted, listen, we choose to do this and take our health and lives in our hands every night. I've done that move hundreds of times over my career. Just under-rotated. Could have been much worse. Thank you to all at AEW for taking amazing care of me and protecting me. I'll be back. He also posted on Instagram, too, 12 hours ago, so must have been in the middle of the night. Thank you very much to everyone who's checked in on me. Scary moment. God was looking out. Could have been much worse. Stiff and sore. Hopefully that's the worst of it. I'll be back. And then he posted an adorable picture of his mini um, his action, action figure. figure on ice, and it says ice for the mini hawk, too. Show me Oh, that's so cute. Uh, Lance Archer, I, I know it really undermines his scary character, but he seems like such a sweet person. He seems like a sweet guy. That ice picture for the mini hawk was six hours ago, so it would have been this morning. Okay. I, I was I was feeling pretty positive about stuff when he was able to, like, like, I know he probably shouldn't have rolled back in to get pinned, but he seemed to be moving under his own accord, so it seemed like maybe spinal wise he was like he wasn't paralyzed or anything you know that's that's the worst outcome you can yeah you can achieve there but um i'm glad he's resting and uh apparently doesn't require i'm assuming surgery or anything it's it's not that level of injury yeah 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 that was scary i couldn't look at the i had to turn away until everyone was off of until the commercial essentially it was too was too scary yeah i um i do know that jenny though you did say you picked lance archer and me too 
in the tournament and you decided that because of this uh, weird, you know, mm-hmm. unexpected injury that occurred, um, if time had allowed it and if destiny had happened the way we expected, Lance would have won. So you gave yourself That's a point. Well, I think we should get half a point. <laughs> in this in this tournament pick. So uh yeah, we, we are getting half a point just FYI. Eddie, um Eddie was the the, the true winner in this sense and And Andy I, can get a full point. Andy's full point. Since um, we don't know really who was supposed to win, I say we get a half point. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> uh Dan Lambert and the men of the year are in the ring. Oh. And uh, Ethan Page is the one who gets the most of the promo time this week, and I I was surprised that it seems like like you know long story short they're setting up Sammy versus Ethan. I figured it'd be Sammy and Scorpio based on like Scorpio getting the pens on Jake Hager and Chris Jericho in the in the two tag matches, but would prefer Scorpio versus Sammy. Yeah, but that's not what we're doing. We're doing Sammy versus Ethan Page, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, they keep talking about Page Van Zant. I think we're going to get a Paige Van Zandt. I, I think she's going to be one. So the um, condition of yeah. the next match is that if Sammy wins, he gets to pick the three opponents. For American Top From team. American Top yeah. Team. And I assume one of those is going to be Paige. And I guess if he loses, then he has to give up the belt and he can never speak to the inner circle again. Right, yeah. Well, he's not in it. I don't think they demanded he never talk to them again, but he can't be part of the group ever again. I'm actually, like, I gotta gotta say, I'm pretty fucking into this. Like, like this this feud is totally working for me. I, I I feel like it's revitalized the inner circle, who I thought were kind of getting stale. Well, you didn't realize, but they sort of had a soft breakup, okay? And we just were never told about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I figure it's, I figure it's junior. So it's in men of the year. What's well, inner circle? Five, five of them versus men of the year. Junior Dos Santos, Paige Van Zant, and who was the who's the other one? Like probably her husband. Maybe make, I, make yeah. You sense. guys settled on probably her husband because I said what about Jorge Masvidal, but then you pointed out that he had. Uh, a legitimate fight in the near future and probably couldn't risk any potential injuries. Yeah, I think so. it might even be like the very next Saturday from full gear. So, oh yeah, then that yeah, off the table. Um, so yeah, I, I think you you guys speculated it'd be Paige and her husband filling in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I I don't know how much pro wrestling training either of them have had, but like for a ten person tag, you yeah, I don't think you you know you can get you can get by. Hey, I don't know how soon Junior started training, but according to Jericho, match, it was like it was like that afternoon. <laughs> I'd say he did pretty well for for that level. I mean, and and remember Shaq? I don't know how I long he Shaq. trained. I think he I think he trained a lot for that though. Okay, he I I feel like they're they're working well with the guests they have though. Like they're they're getting them as far Snoop as they Dog need to go. Went up to the third rope. Yes, he did. Which that's a lot. To ask yeah. of a celebrity, but it sounded like he wanted to do it, so that's cool. I I just hope they're providing the uh, the professional training and support needed to make that look good. But yeah, I think I think professional MMA fighters will probably take to it decently, decently enough to have a match. Here's another like example of Junior Dos Santos just being a very nice man who's probably who's probably a little miscast as this heel right now. But uh, oh. he he did he did a he did an interview with. Um, 
on he was on uh, Renee and uh, Misha Tate's podcast, uh, thrown down with uh, Renee Paquette and Misha Tate. And did you know they have an MMA podcast? I didn't know it was a podcast. I thought it was like a Sirius XM program, which I I, mean, I it assume is, but that you can meant like it, it's live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so like he was on there, and they were talking about it's like it's like kind of it's mostly MMA, but they talk about pro wrestling too, because you know because of obviously. Um, they were asked they asked him about. <laughs> if he got to meet CM Punk backstage and junior said, yes, of course I was able to talk to him. He's a great guy. He was doing some great performances over there in AEW. He was kind of a role model over there as well. He's great at doing that thing. He didn't do very well in MMA, but he got the courage to go there and try it. Many guys don't even try it, (laughs) which is true. Like it's, it's ballsy to, you know, to even do that. So so anyway, I, lo- I, got, I, like, love, I love Junior Dos Santos. place in the Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> no, Junior seems cool. And he, um, like, he seemed like he was, he understood the moves. And he was willing to go through a table. So mm-hmm. I feel like he, he is committed to be all in, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, wine went down the wrong pipe. Oh, no. And I'm dying off on the muted mic here. Um, but yeah, like. <laughs> I'm I'm into this. I I hope I hope the rest of the top team can kind of embrace it the way Junior has. Uh yeah. but yeah, I think that should be fun. I mean, they all seem like they're having fun out there when they're when you know, when they're out there for the promo segments. Yeah, yeah, it's and Dan Lambert is like a lunatic. I don't, I don't <laughs> had, know what had, powers he had, him. <laughs> he had one incredible line. It was about like, I don't know if you're like, I don't know if you're, what do you say? Like, I don't know if your neck's more messed up from the 630 splashes or the 630 pounds of, uh, of, hair of gel. hair gel. That, you, <laughs> that was really funny. That was amazing. Yeah. Like, he, that's just like a really good line. And he's, and it seems like he's, he's kind of dropped all the like boomer stuff that he was doing early on. And now it's just more like, it's like he, he gets the right, he gets the right reaction now. So he can just, he can just do normal pro wrestling heel stuff. Yeah. He just screams. And I mean, I, I do feel like, Oh, his voice. It sounds like he <laughs> probably can't speak for a day after doing this, but he really gives it all he's got as far as like screaming into the microphone. Um, yeah. And, you know, good for him. He's, oof, he's intense. Yeah. Um, next up, we got John Moxley backstage because, of course, because uh, it's this show. And uh, uh, it was just like sidebar: Are all these backstage people? Is it safe to assume they're on a boat right now? I don't know if all of them, but the, definitely some of them. Some of these pre-tapes, like Doctor Britt Baker was. Britt Baker was. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I don't know. Moxley doesn't post on social media, so I don't know where he is. But I right. think he might be too big of a name to be on the boat. Yeah, I mean, he was there in 2019, but that's like when everybody was there because, right. you know, yeah, they did because the they were doing there. that. Yeah. yeah. Now we do know that none of the inner circle except for Jericho were, unless they were just flown in. I mean, wouldn't Jericho come too, or do you think he has to stay? Because he his has cruise? to stay. It's his cruise. Okay. It's weird though that they're not on it, unless there was some sort of back and forth transport but yeah it's throughout the show once you once you guys told me that the jericho cruise was happening in tandem with this i started wondering like evaluating who was appearing live and who 
presumably was somewhere on a boat. So I'm looking at the lineup for the crews that is listed. Actually, they've already, they've already got the... The next one is going to be soon, actually. It's going to be March 14th to March 18th. Wow. So I guess I'm trying to make up for lost time with losing the hmm. 2020 um, uh, one. Uh, let me see. I just want to see who's... I saw Scorpio. Or not Scorpio. Sunny Kiss is there. Marco Stunt is there. I think Anna Jay is there. Yeah. Um, Billy Gunn. Dean Malenko. Um, bunch of bands. <laughs> Chris oh, Jericho's gosh. dad, Frank Kazarian, <laughs> Christopher Daniels, Colt Cabana. So okay, so the the Dark Order thing must have been pre-taped. The, the backstage segment because Colt's there. Um, Ryan Nemeth, uh, Stu and Uno, um, Will Osprey, <laughs> uh, Dan Housen, <laughs> uh, Abaddon, Rebel, uh, Brian Cage, Anna J, the Chaos Project. Who actually I saw were dressed up as Gilligan and the Skipper on a, on the boat, and I thought that was pretty funny. Like uh, Luther makes a pretty good uh, Skipper. Uh, was Gilligan Ricky's... wearing a mask in there? In there? Serpentico? Yeah. Okay. He's wearing a mask and like the Gilligan hat and red shirt. Oh, that's wacky! I love it. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Starks, Jake Roberts, Will Hobbs, Peter Avalon, and Cesar Bononi, Orange Cassidy, the Side Owls, Marco, Dasha. Man, Jamie Hayter, J.D. Drake, Isaiah Cassidy, Sonny Kiss, Statlander, Wheeler Yuta, Angelico, The Gun Club, Rip Baker, Chuck Taylor, who's written here as Chucky Taylor for some reason, Aubrey, Ted DiBiase, who's not, I don't know why I said him. Um, yeah, he, so wait, actually, actually Ted, quite a few people. Ted DiBiase like is top, there? Top guys. Right. What? Ted right. DiBiase is there? That's what it says. Like old old Ted DiBiase? I don't, I, don't, I would assume I would assume the the the, the elder. Wow, getting out on a boat. Okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and everyone's vaccinated. That's that's good. No, that's that's a pro because I assume that anyone who didn't want to get vaccinated either refused to go or caved in and got it because they had to go on this boat. So, right. Whatever it takes. <laughs> so Moxley is. Talking about how his priorities have changed since he has like a little little daughter now, and he's saying like, Megan's eating a milkshake. Oh, I'm so jealous! It just happened. My roommate brought me um some food. What? <laughs> what? Where? Why? It's from Culver's. <sighs> Sorry. Did you just get that? Yeah, I saw I saw mm-hmm. the roommate come in. Oh, I was looking I was looking at the list of the lineup of Jericho no. cruise people. I, my, yeah, my eyes perked up when I saw food. <laughs> Sorry, she just um, ordered lunch without me. So yeah, go ahead, please proceed. No, it's cool. Uh, so anyway, he's saying like he doesn't care about the tournament or the ratings or the demo or any of that stuff anymore. The title, he cares about his daughter. He cares about his pinky finger, and basically, oh his. Like, Busted ass pinky finger. Busted ass pinky. And he says that this is like, this means everything to him now. And he has to get home to her. And to do that, he has to like beat all these motherfuckers in this tournament. So that's his motivation. I thought it was weird to say he didn't care about like winning anymore, <laughs> but he, but he does, but he it's just like the reason for it has changed, I guess. It's like, he doesn't, he said he doesn't care about winning and then said that I have, now I have to beat. it's like, 
I don't care, but daddy's got to go to work, you know? Like, I do have to beat these guys. <laughs> Apparently, flex, flex that cast off. he's in yeah. the mob or something. Flex it off. Yeah. And not in, you know. Sometimes you just have to kill some people, Jenny. It's just like, I don't know. Can't you understand? Why can't you understand? So the Dark Order is uh, backstage and, and Hangman shows up and he says, listen, you know, the elite, they like to dress up and uh, it's Halloween next week on Dynamite. So you guys should like think of some costumes since you're wrestling them. Oh, this so, makes me so happy. So John Silver uh, pre- preemptively called Bambi. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm really hoping for like, because if you guys remember the October, the, the Halloween 2020 Dynamite was very underwhelming they did not really do anything so was october 2019 and they all the only person who did anything was for that stupid promo for that oh rick and morty yeah oh kenny dressed up as a video game character yeah he was the only one plus chuck and trent having to do that weird yeah kenny kenny you believed like fully wanted to dress up the way he did chuck and trent were i'm pretty sure they were very open about being like they asked us to do this, and we were like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I expect people in this company, though, they're, they're a company full of cosplaying nerds. Where are the costumes on Halloween? This is the time. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Jungle Boy versus Brandon Cutler. And uh, this, is even, this is even faster squash than the Anthony Green-Bobby Fish match, as Jungle Boy uh, just beats the shit out of this man and taps him out with the snare trap. And he puts him back in the snare trap until anyone comes out. Adam Cole does come out, and and they get into a back and forth. But this is just a distraction, so the young bucks can jump poor Adam or poor Brandon Cutler from no sorry poor uh, Jungle Boy from behind. <sighs> and uh, it all ends with them giving a BTE trigger at the entrance ramp and then throwing him off the stage through a table. Yeah, that was intense. I do not know where the Luchasaurus was. He is not listed on the Jericho cruise. He should have saved his buddy. Yeah. The boy was without his dinosaur. It's true. I was upset at the lack of friend help there. Jungle Boy said shit on a promo, and I was not comfortable with it. He's not Brian Danielson. I had to take a minute to think about that. At what point does he become Jungle Man? Um... I don't know. Uh, when he's had his jungle bat mitzvah. When he what? bar mitzvah. <laughs> bat, bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvahs for the ladies. Bar mitzvahs for the boys. The fellas. Yes, it's true. When he has his jungle bar mitzvah, or when he let's say when he wins a championship. Okay. Or the, okay, fair? and then he starts to be called Jungle Man, and everybody's like, "This is weird. It's a weird word to say." That'll be Jack of the Jungle. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, we go to Miro, who has still not returned to his wife. He's just wandering in the desert, looking for, looking to pick a fight with God and or regain his TNT title. Um, I think he could be successful in either venture. <laughs> I uh, feel like, unlike Catalina Hager, Lana's probably like, you can definitely like come home. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm not upset at you, and Miro has taken it upon himself to exile to the desert who else is gonna cut our grass in their underwear like or cook naked yeah. so uh 
Anyway, we go to uh, our main event of the evening. It is the third match in the Malachi Black versus Cody Rose trilogy. And, uh, I mean, Cody wins. And I think, the, I think the most interesting thing about this is the psychology behind that decision and what we think coming out of it. Like, does this hurt Malachi Black? A, number one. Jenny, does this hurt Malachi Black to lose this third match against Cody? I think no. You think no, just in general? Just like, no, he won two matches against Cody, it's okay? Like, what if it's over now? What if the feud is over and they move on? Is that still, does that does that diminish Black at all in that case, for Cody to get the last? No. Okay. Megan, what do you think? Um, I agree. I think Malachi Black still has a lot of street cred, still very scary. And, I mean, technically he did beat Cody twice and also beat up members of the nightmare family. So I don't think he comes out of this looking bad. I mean, he, right. if you look at the overall nightmare family picture, he pretty much dominated them. He did overall. Cody did come back and win this, uh, win this big climactic match though, presumably, I don't think there's going to be more, at least not another singles match between the two, but I do think it's interesting that you've got Malachi black who is, heel like he does bad things but he is cheered overwhelmingly by these fans Mm -hmm. especially against cody rhodes who Mm -hmm. they really don't for the most part don't seem to like right now he got cheered though when he won and he He, got cheered a couple of his spots during the match it wasn't like overwhelming though it was still it was a lot more than the last few times we've seen him i yeah yeah, i was expecting a full-on just anti-cody sentiment the fact that he got any sort of support at all was surprising but i still think he's gonna turn um was it the black pants that made you think <laughs> that? It was, yeah it was par- partially the black pants i he, he has said publicly that he's never gonna turn heel but i just think that's like part of it i don't think that's real um who, who is he john cena like come on cody you do heel work essentially yeah like i but i just i, I think that especially if he like if, if it's if it's his like whole thing is he wants to long-term be a baby face in this company then i think doing a heel run would probably help that more than anything yeah because it'll just get boring if you don't switch up and like ever you know i i I think that's people's issue with i don't one of many issues with john cena i guess i don't know but the never ending with roman reigns they didn't they they wanted to boo roman reigns and so the in wwe should have leaned into that much earlier than they did yeah just like the never ending optimism and um american boy it sounds so horrible to say like that's a problem but it gets stale you know like people you need you can't have an interesting story if there's no conflict and it's always this this person is the best you know like yeah and could like and there's very good motivation for him to turn heel too because he could just like play into this idea that like the fans abandoned him and turned on him and it's it's not he didn't change it was the fans changed and you know and you could do that you could do that kind of thing um which i think would be interesting yeah and i think that Based on his dramatic ass comic book things in the past, the black pants have got to mean more than just he got bored and wanted to change up his color scheme. Right. Yeah. I'm reading. I'm reading into it. But <laughs> as for the match, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it was the best of their series. Uh, 
because it was, you know, like it was the one that was the most competitive and back and forth. And uh, they did both get blood, which Jenny oh. <laughs> Jenny totally uh, shut Checked down out. at that point. She, yeah. she was done. She was on her phone for the for the last five minutes of the match because was. she was just done. Um, which is too bad because there was a lot of great stuff in that closing stretch. It was too bad because I was enjoying that match until that point. It was it's just so unnecessary and so obvious. Yeah, I thought so. Cody won, like he 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 hit the crossroads a couple times, but then he finished with. A, he got in the pedigree position, and I thought for sure he was gonna do the pedigree and win with that, which I thought would have been so fucking funny. But he didn't. He like he he pulled Malachi up and like pile drove him, which is a uh, called the Tiger Driver ninety eight. And uh, so it didn't quite go pedigree, but I swear to God he was teasing it. Like I think that was intentional. I mean, Malachi is better than blading, and since he gave in to this bullshit, that's why he lost. <laughs> The I think he lost because I was wearing my Cody make him say uh t-shirt and that's what that's what put Cody over the top. Well, we You're all putting lost. some powerful vibes out into the universe when you wear that make him say uh shirt. Megan, listen. Je- obviously Jenny does not like that shirt. She thinks it's stupid. You like that shirt, right? You think that's a good shirt? I do. I it's okay, not a see? shirt that that suits my style. I would not wear it, but um I don't I, I wouldn't wear it out of the house. But Well, I mean, Jenny wouldn't let you for one, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like with your, I, f- I feel like our mutual friend, Andrew would really appreciate that shirt and just like your, your musical uh, background and high school. It just, it speaks to you on a level that I, I get, I get, I wouldn't wear it, but I think it's funny and I, I do support it. Sorry, Jenny. Thank they you can very say, much. Uh. Appreciate it. I should have just <laughs> lost that in the move. <laughs> <laughs> it's a limited edition. You can't just, you gotta. Well, he wouldn't have been able to replace it then. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's not the direction I was going with that. But yeah, you're right. It would have, uh, it would have taken it out of your eyesight forever. So anyway, um. Yeah, that was pretty much the show. We got we got a little Andrade and Pac on the apron or the uh, the uh, the the uh, the ramp after that, and so I don't know. Like I don't know if we're gonna get a tag match. That, I mean, that might be interesting. Cody and Pac like working together against against uh, Andrade and uh, Alistair, who are who are of course united by their uh, association with Zelina Vega, the current uh, queen of the ring in WWE, <laughs> who won a uh, who won a grueling. Uh, 20 minute overall tournament. Um, oh, Megan, that's so that's the only thing. Uh, so the is first it, match, is it gonna the get first worse? Match, the first match in the AEW women's tournament, um, was eight minutes and 30 seconds. So we're almost already almost to halfway of the <laughs> entire length of the uh, the WWE tournament. And we got we got Sheeta versus um, Deeb on Wednesday, which I imagine is going to go long. So I think we're going to get all the way there. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a low bar that it's it's like, do you even congratulate AEW for doing? I don't know. No, basic I don't. Basic level matches. It's like I do God. not. I don't want to get. I don't want to put uh, get WWE or AEW off the hook, you know, because uh, God knows their women's division could be better. But um, I think that they're well, probably they could, not necessarily the women in it. You're they saying they it could better. promote it better. They could do a better job of managing yeah. it yeah. and yeah. You know, Giving you, it time you could, you and spotlighting do, it. and Yes, you could do a lot more with it. it. You could do a lot more with it. Um, no, what I'm saying is that 
WWE, like PR-wise, gave them a bit of a gift this week by doing a oh, yeah. eight-woman yeah. tournament that went 20 minutes overall. Sure. <laughs> I wanted Tony Khan to don those heart-shaped glasses and do something dramatic or tweet some, start some drama being like, <laughs> round one of the AEW women's TBS tournament. Mm, total time. I hope it's like, oh, what if he was brilliant enough to time it to exactly the amount of time the overall WWE tournament was in the first round. And then he could be like first round this amount of time. And then, you know, have his heart shaped glasses, like fly in from the side. And Somebody on. should do that. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it and, uh, God, I, I, I feel like at the end of the day, like I would love for AEW to get one of the four horsewomen because, I think it'd be a real big statement. Yeah, I just don't want the one that they're probably going to get. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's like you either get Charlotte or you get Sasha the anti-vaxxer. Uh, she's or... anti-vax. No, oh, Sasha. Yeah. Yeah. Really, Sasha? Yeah, she's anti-vax. Yeah. Um, you know, but like also like you know, I, I don't know. I'm just I I feel a little differently about black people being anti-vax than I do about yeah. About, I mean, like, white the, people being anti-vax. The historical context yeah. of of black people being anti-vax is like. To be respected, but also, like, I just want to reach out and be like, please. <laughs> I'm but, surprised, honestly, though, that she hasn't been required just, like, for WWE events. Nobody's nobody's required anybody. Nobody AEW doesn't have a requirement, and, you know, WWE Well, the boat, but that was The boat, but, that, again, that's probably the cruise line. Uh, yeah. Oh, I fully believed it was the cruise line and not Jericho. Jericho, who goes to, like, biker rallies in the height of the pandemic. I don't think he cares. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you know, maybe Bailey. Maybe Bailey's possible. <laughs> is she uh, poor Bailey? Is she even sort of near? Like no or idea. no idea. I guess also the two questions are: are contract or is her contract going to be up? And also like, is she someone who wants to leave? Because I think some people do want to stay in WWE. You know. Yeah. Like totally, but. I think she's a person who she's got really good friends in both companies. Like she's, she's really good friends with FTR and she's really good friends with Ricky Starks on the AEW side. Um, But yeah, she's probably got like 10 times as many friends in WWE, of course. Yeah. She's, and she's, and she's treated well for the women's division. Like the caliber of matches that she can have in WWE are much higher right now. Yeah. But that's like the, the sad chicken and the egg problem is like you can't attract top talent because you don't have anyone to put them against. But like you'll never have anyone to put them against if you can't. Right. They need to get they need to get like that one person to take a to take a risk. Yeah. To, to open the door and and like show other people that it's like this is a good place to be, too. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully. But. I don't know. I don't know who in WWE women might be thinking about making a move or maybe you know reaching that time where their contract's up i don't know the iconics debuted in uh impact last night on the, oh shit their okay pay-per-view i assume that that means that every something was worked out with their uh visas allowing them to finally go back to work yeah it would have to have been right yeah, so uh yeah that's what i mean that's what they said was the issue is you're not allowed to work yeah. if you're not on a certain level of visa or right. a citizen. Yeah. So yeah. So they 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 won the uh, knockouts tag team titles last night. 
and uh, so good start for them. I saw a little bit of their like their introduction. They got like a pretty big production. They got like a like a, they had a a live singer come out and like sing a song as they did their intro. That was pretty cool. Oh damn! Yeah, rolling out neat. the red carpet for them. Yeah, it was like nice. big production by Impact standards. Yeah, no, I fully fully didn't think you were exaggerating or being hyperbolic with that like impact. No offense, yeah. but you're not great at stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think that's about it for us for, for today. And uh, we will be back, of course, uh, I think Thursday night to cover the new episode of Dynamite that's going to air on Wednesday from, does anybody know where they're, remember where they're coming from next week? Boston. They're coming from Boston. Oh, they're going all the way from TNT Florida. TNT party. For the TNT party. That's right. You got uh, Sheeta, Sheeta versus Deeb in the uh, the tournament is the big match. And then like the, the the Elite versus the Dark Order. I think those are the two big matches. And Sammy versus uh, uh, Ethan Page. Yes. So we'll probably see some more beyond that. But uh, Moxley versus uh, Preston Vance. Oh, yes. That's part of the tournament. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that'll do it for here. For Jenny and for Megan, I'm Andy. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of The Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.